Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. Welcome back to Holding Ground. I'm Michelle Mooney, a licensed trauma uh, and couples therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. We are here live on 1150 AM talk radio in Seattle at 930 AM every Tuesday. Um, but you can also stream us anywhere you catch your podcast. Um, so today I am back here again with our another licensed trauma and couples therapist, Ashlyn Graff. Good morning again, Ashlyn. Good morning, Michelle, and good morning to our listeners. We really appreciate you, and I am excited to be back to keep talking about emotionally immature parents. Uh, I want to remind uh, the listeners that at Anchor Light Therapy Collective, we offer a complimentary consultation to all potential clients who want to discover how therapy might help them achieve their goals. So go to anchorlighttherapy.com slash get started if you're interested. Yes, exactly. And there's also other good um, podcasts on there. You can find all of our, uh, you know, prior episodes and blogs. So there's a lot of good content as well. So yeah, definitely check us out. Um, all right. So this is part two in our series uh, about emotionally immature parents. And last week we talked about the signs of an emotionally immature parent and what causes parents to become emotionally immature. And today we're going to talk about the different types of emotionally immature parents, um, what it does to um, the child's mental health at the time, and then of course how it affects adult children of emotionally immature parents, um, and how to break the cycle uh, for your children. Uh, so Oh, Ashlyn, let's start with the types. What are what's the first type of an emotionally immature parent? Yeah, so the first one I want to talk about today is uh, called emotional parents, and these are emotional roller coasters. Uh, they're unpredictable, and the home environment because becomes very stressful because kids come home and they don't know whether there's going to be peace or if they're going to be yelled at or what's going to happen at all. So this can cause a lot of anxiety for kids. Uh, this is really the most common in what I hear about when clients discuss their parental trauma. Um, kids are not born with emotion regulation and skills. And ideally, this is something that we develop over time in nurturing spaces. Um, however, adults should ideally have emotion regulation. Um, so emotional parents might really fight back with their kids the same way another child would use their kids as their therapist. Uh, so really, really dump emotions on them in a way that's not developmentally appropriate. Uh, they may experience a lack of emotion regulation and they might have really intense emotional responses. Right, right. Um, and children, right, that grow up this way in these uh, emotional roller coaster situations or this walking on eggshells, uh, they can be folks that you can see later on in life that have a lot of anxiety around like, planning and needing structure and predictability in their routine because they didn't have that growing up. And that makes them feel safe now, right? I, I can kind yeah. of control what's going on for me. So I see that a lot. How about you? There's us, yeah, I see a lot of worry about how other people are going to respond to things where uh, a person that did not have that experience would be like, why would you worry about that? And those kids that really uh, just had no predictability kind of live their life walking on eggshells outside of the home even. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the next kind of emotionally immature parents, we can see this a lot, are driven parents. They tend to be so uh, busy with their career, maybe their activities, that they don't have a lot of time to focus on their children. And they really want to raise successful kids at all costs um, to really satisfy their own needs. Right? That makes me look good if my child went to Harvard or Yale. Um, it can almost be like my children are extension of me versus, you know, these are my children. I want to raise them uh, to be the people that they want to be. Um, so these kinds of parents are very distracted um, and both physically or emotionally unavailable pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the third kind I wanted to talk about is rejecting parents. Uh, so when I think of the rejecting parent, I really tend to think of men who operate the home with a my way or the highway mentality uh, and really struggle with anger and blowing up. Uh, this parent that is rejecting is emotionally distant. They're disconnected from the kids. They don't want to spend much time with the family and the few interactions that they do have might be like really formal and impersonal rather than warm and loving. And most of those interactions might consist of issuing commands, blowing up, uh, or just going away and isolating themselves from those families. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so our next one, Ashlyn, is passive care. So these are parents who really are uncomfortable with conflict for some reason, right? Again, probably things that they experienced um, in their childhood homes or maybe growing up at you know later stage in life, but um, they really want to avoid conflict or stress. So this means it can mean these are really par uh, parents that are easy to get along with. Hey, mom, we're gonna go spend you know twelve hours at so and so. How okay? Have a good time versus saying like, hey, maybe how about how about four hours and then come do your homework? Right? Are there more permissive over maybe risky behaviors that the child wants to make? So and they're not really um, giving them any sort of guardrails, you know, kids need, you know, some discipline and direction. And so these can be parents who uh, kind of try to just avoid that just because it's uncomfortable um, or it stresses them out in some sort of way. So you can't really have honest conversations with these parents. Um, they're really not able to set healthy boundaries for themselves and not just with parenting, right, but with their uh, partner, if they have one uh, family member is at work, right? They're passive uh, in all areas of their life. Um, so they're, they're uh, parents that you sometimes see in relationships that kind of stand by and watch the other caregiver maybe do things that aren't great for the child, right? Whether that's, you know, <clears throat> physical abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, things like that. And maybe if the other parent isn't doing those things, but they're passive and they don't want to get involved or they don't want to stand up for their child at all, um, you know, they're, they're witness, right? They're not doing anything. And oftentimes we see uh, children who grew up with parents like that. Well, my mom never did anything bad, but she didn't really do anything good, right? We have to remember mm -hmm. trauma isn't just what happened to us, it's what didn't happen to us as well. Uh, things that we need and deserve. So there can be discomfort around that. Um, well, you know, mom never stuck up for me. Mom didn't protect me. Maybe I'm not worthy of being protected. And so uh, that's definitely something that can happen. Um, 
Yeah. So anything else? Let's see, Ashlyn. Um, yeah, and I think that that kind yeah. of goes along with like the the laissez-faire like style of parenting. Um, I, I just imagine like the kid leaving the home of like, okay, mom, I'm gonna go steal car, and mom's like, okay, <laughs> have fun. Grab one for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. The kind of, um, you know, as kids are older and can leave the house and start to make their own choices. If we have more passive parents, there might not be, um, you know, children might have a little bit more uh, trouble in the world than if they had a little bit more structure. So, so we're going to talk about the damage uh, that emotionally immature parents can have and these lasting emotional effects um, and what narratives children uh, can form about themselves and take into their adulthood. So um, what's the first one of those, Ashlyn? Yeah, I think um, what really comes up uh, with clients in therapy is just feeling like they themselves or their needs do not matter. And I think um, a lot of these, these people really tend to have struggles recognizing um, what their needs are because there's never really been space for that. So like there's a common feeling um, that the parents take up so much emotional space that there isn't any room for them to have feelings. And as they grow up, it just seems like a foreign concept almost that they get to have their own wants and needs in, um, in relationships or in life. Yeah, absolutely. And I see this in like different uh, contexts, definitely with couples um, and where couples are getting stuck around. They have these needs, maybe internally, and they're not able to access exactly what it is or access the words to communicate them to their partner. Or they have this belief of if I express my needs, they're not going to meet it anyway. So why do I even bother? But then what happens is there's this built up resentment. They're not getting nurtured again, right? This is kind of replicating what was going on at home. And so a lot of folks have different difficulty even vocalizing or knowing what their needs are. So that's a lot of the work we do either with couples or individuals. Um, again, in this deservability piece really can block people. I don't deserve to have my needs met or if I try, no one's going to listen anyway. So uh, what's the point? And, you know, these folks, um, hopefully through our work together and watching couples, they're able to effectively communicate needs and then their parent or partners can therefore uh, meet those needs and things like, you know what, I need some comfort right now. I had a hard day. Um, and if children grew up in a situation where maybe their parents didn't offer comfort, if they came home from school distressed in some sort of way, like you were talking about this bootstrap mentality in our first episode. Um, so my spouse or my partner offer comfort. Can, my, can they give me validation? All these old things that they never had met. Your partner, hopefully, if you guys have a good enough connection, will want to lean into and meet your needs um, because you know it's a loving thing to do and hopefully we want to do that for uh, our partners. So getting folks to a place where they uh, know they just you know have needs, their needs are important, they're valid, um, and then uh, expressing those can be, um, you know, definitely a journey that a lot of folks have to go on. And then it's very rewarding when people realize like, oh yeah, I do have needs and they're just as valid as the next person. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I'll often talk to people about this idea of like trying to pretend that you don't have needs uh, to like keep the peace is a mm. uh, pretty ineffective <laughs> long term. I think it can foster a lot of resentment. And even if it's the natural way of being, um, it does cause a lot of problems in relationships. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And sometimes I have trouble with folks, um, you know, if I'm working with individuals who are maybe um, about ready to uh, start dating again, and I'll, you know, for, you know, maybe later in life after a series of um, unsuccessful relationships, or even in the very beginning is that, you know, somebody wants to start dating for the first time. Um, if, if it's helpful, I will um, have them create two lists, um, you know, what I deserve in a relationship and what I won't tolerate. And that's kind of like their, their template for, uh, to hold up against their partners, right? Are they checking out boxes on the deserve side and not a ton on the won't tolerate side? Okay. This is probably a decent partner for me, but that deserve category can really throw some folks off. They, you know, I had one uh, person say to me years ago, um, I deserve things. I can ask for that. I mean, they were so stuck in this place of I don't deserve anything that I don't even know what it is that I might deserve. Um, so there can be really long lasting effects of this one. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is, and it kind of ties into that first one is, you know, I'm unworthy of love. Um, and so uh, because you can't fix your parent or couldn't fix your parent or early in a caregiver, perhaps, uh, you know, your first partner, um, you're, you start to feel like you're not good enough. Um, no matter what you do, it was not good enough to, you know, help your parent or fix your parent or meet all of their needs. So then therefore I'm not good enough in some sort of way. I, I feel. I felt short. So again, that like sense of responsibility, I should have done more and educating, you know, adult clients and maybe perhaps folks that see children uh, as well is, you know, that wasn't actually a responsibility. It should, the rules should have been reversed. And unfortunately that didn't happen for you. Um, so real, you know, teaching the client, Hey, that wasn't okay. That wasn't your thing. And that can take a long time to kind of untangle. Um, but, you know, once we do that through therapy, folks can be uh, more successful uh, in their relationships and feeling like even self-compassion, that might be something that folks have trouble with because they feel like they're so unworthy of love that they don't even want to show their themselves uh, compassion. So, um, or this feeling of, well, if I do have an emotional uh, response or I have an emotion in some sort of way, I'm just a burden to everyone around me because everyone else's emotions are either again taking center stage or maybe they're getting that feedback again emotionally immature parents they might see their child having anxiety and they're like no 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 bad i don't like feeling that so i gotta make sure they stop feeling that as soon as possible so the child can adopt this sense of i'm a burden um if i have some sort of emotion so um what's the next thing ashley yeah so i I think kids tend to really internalize feelings of shame um, long-term when they have those emotionally immature parents. Um, children rely on their parents for survival. So when that survival isn't reliable, they tend to turn inward and self-blame because that is easier for kids than viewing their means of survival as being unsafe. And I think that just plays such a big role in the deep shame that children um, experience. Uh, there's also a lot of fear. So particularly with rejecting an emotional types, not knowing what to expect or expecting the worst in terms of blowups or even verbal or physical abuse can be really terrifying for children. So this might result in that feeling of walking on eggshells. And um, again, those uh, adults that grow or the children that grow into adults um, might view the world as unsafe and unpredictable. 
um, with that, with that sense of being a burden too. I think those kids are taught in either over or covert ways that they're not allowed to have emotions and that they are a burden if they do. So this can really affect their ability to lean on others, to ask for help, to seek therapy, even when it could be really, really beneficial for them. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, because I might burn in the therapist. I actually see that a lot. That's a really good point. Um, Ashlyn, I see that a lot like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm crying here. I'm putting all of this on you. And, you know, that's why we're here uh, to give folks a space where they can cry safely or they can, you know, talk about and express their anger or they can tell us the worst part of their stories if they feel comfortable and there's a good rapport there that isn't burdening us. There's a reason why we do this work. And so we're excited to help clients. Um, so, uh, Ashlyn, the next one is, you know, folks can just become really fearful, um, you know, particularly with rejecting our, emo you know, emotional types of parent. Again, not knowing what to expect, expecting the worst, um, you know, you kind of already touched on that, but just this general sense of like fear, right? And that can make us scared of a lot more things uh, than just relational uh, uh, uh parts of our lives that can just, that can be fear over a lot of things. Um, you know, when your amygdala is so large and your fear response was constantly engaged as a child, you can be more hypersensitive to things in your environment. Um, and so regardless if, you know, it's another person or a person, you know, it could be something like a slamming door, for example, you know, you can become really scared and fearful over a lot of things. So, um, all right, so uh, Ashlyn, what are some experiences that cause relationship uh, dysfunction later on in adulthood uh, if children have had these kinds of parents? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of the times those, those kids really struggle to know how to set boundaries because um, our first teachers are our parents. So when we aren't modeled healthy boundaries growing up, it can be really difficult to have a blueprint for what they look like can also be discouraging to have boundaries not respected and people often give up. So I like to frame boundaries as being about like how you respond, not necessarily what the other person does. So like I will hang up the phone if you start yelling at me rather than you can't yell at me. Or uh, I will not respond to guilt tripping rather than you can't guilt trip because we can't really control what other people do, but we can control what we'll tolerate. Right, right, exactly. Really good. Um, so not trusting others. I, again, if you had parents that were inconsistent or consistently not there for you, um, you can start to fear relationships altogether. We recently did an episode around uh, fear of engulfment in relationships versus fear of abandonment. And this can come from parents like this. So either you were so responsible for everyone else growing up as a child that relationships uh, can feel burdensome, that they feel, can feel like they trap us, that they feel like um, smothering. So if I'm with a person, they're going to rely on me for all my needs. So I'm just going to avoid uh, relationships altogether. Or we have the fear of abandonment that while growing up, my parents were never there for me. They always left. They were inconsistent. Um, so there's that fear of being left. So um, and then also finding partners or staying with partners that maybe aren't the most healthy um, because they're familiar. They remind them of something like, well, this is chaos, but it, it's, it's pretty familiar. So, um, and then they'll start to accept less than what they deserve and feel um, their partner's negative emotions are bad and they become triggers. So, um, all right. What about the mental health implications? 
passion. Yeah, well, I think to start, like these kids that grow up um, after having emotionally immature parents um, really struggle with emotionally emotional regulation. And again, this goes back to the concept of modeling. So when kids don't see healthy ways to regulate emotions, they just have no way of knowing what that looks like until they see it somewhere else. Uh, there's also isolation. So uh, my clients that have emotionally immature parents tend to experience a really deep feeling of loneliness. Even when they grow up and do have social support in their lives, it's not always the same as having that need met by a primary caregiver. Um, a third thing that really sticks out to me is um, just intense fear and post-traumatic stress disorder. So children of emotionally immature parents can develop symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, particularly around traumatic incidents um, they endured with their parents. They might have really specific triggers. So again, kind of that spilling the milk or walking on eggshells. If I do something wrong, then I'm going to have someone screaming at me for three hours. Uh, and they might have really intense emotional responses uh, and they might have nightmares or flashbacks related to these incidents from childhood. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, definitely things like depression, anxiety, later on, later on uh, physical health issues. Um, so the more adverse childhood experiences we've had, um, it directly links to health outcomes later on in life. Things like if you grow up in a traumatic environment, you can have uh, perhaps heart issues later, substance use issues later. Um, things like diabetes are very common in people who grow up it, uh, with trauma. So definitely another reason why it's helpful to go to therapy and really make sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, and real quick on the isolation piece, uh, uh, Ashlyn, um, that feeling of being alone is so important. You pointed that out because kids can feel like I'm the only one who have parents like this and, and you know, everyone else doesn't. Um, so that can be really hard. Um, so, um, all right, Ashlyn, what is the next one? Yeah, attachment wounds. Uh, so an attachment wound is a deep emotional wound from a lack of understanding or attunement, typically from attachment figures such as parents or partners. Uh, so parents who are emotionally immature may raise kids who tend towards more anxious or avoidant attachment styles rather than secure attachment styles. Um, so this may have specific triggers and relationships related to these attachment wounds and respond in ways uh, that harm the relationship. Okay. So kind of switching gears, Michelle, what do you feel like an emotionally mature parent does? Uh -huh. All right. Well, again, you know, no parent is perfect. And so um, oftentimes, again, parents might not realize that they're causing any sort of harm. That's why educating yourself as much as you can on things like raising emotionally mature children, um, doing your own therapy work, podcasts like this, where you're learning, okay, hey, maybe I have some of these traits, I don't want to do that. Um, what are some ways that I can really educate myself and heal from what I went through? So I'm not doing that anymore to my child. Um, or, you know, teeing up to be a parent for the first time and knowing you had these kind of parents growing up. So to be aware of that, perhaps have to change uh, course or learn more, more things or do some therapy before having children. So um, they realize children aren't uh, pre-programmed and they can't come to, you know, they can't expect something of a child if they never taught it to the child. Um, so um, emotionally uh, mature parents, they will teach their children their own emotional regulation skills versus expecting the kids to know how to behave, right? Children, again, children aren't pre-programmed. They come into this world relying on you completely to teach them. And if you get upset that they don't know something that was actually your thing to teach them, 
that's not fair, right? The kid doesn't know any better. So um, emotionally mature people, our parents understand that. Um, they take responsibility when they make a mistake, they model real apologies, um, you know, promising uh, change behavior, acknowledging the impacts that they may have had when, you know, for the thing that they are apologizing for, um, teaching them to do something versus scaring them not to do something. Um, so that's an important one. I'm going to show you how to do this versus you did a bad thing or don't do this bad thing. And I'm going to make sure you know there's going to be repercussions if you do that thing, right? You're using the fear-based mentality. Um, practice sharing emotions on a regular basis, positive and uncomfortable ones. They hold space for when the child does have uncomfortable emotions. Um, they're very, uh, they engage in it. They don't just quickly glaze over it. Um, they don't invalidate their child's emotions um, when Again, when they're disciplining the child, they're seeing that as a, a teaching moment. Um, and they focus on the behavior versus the child, right? It's not the child that's bad or defective. It's, hey, we don't like this behavior, right? We still love you. So, um, Ashlyn, real quick, what can an adult child of an emotionally immature parent do to heal themselves? Uh, I would say seek supportive communities in adulthood um, that allow for healthy emotional expression and connection. Uh, when an individual grows up lacking an emotionally supportive family, it can be just so healing to find communities later in life that do offer emotional support, whether that be friendships, support groups, cultural groups, or communities through shared interests. Um, and another piece of, of that is just developing and really actively practicing self-love and making that a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also working on your own emotional regulation. It's a holistic process. So it's things like taking care of your own personal needs, getting enough sleep, eating nutritiously, right? So you have more capacity for stress, um, pausing between feeling and reacting, um, having the ability to express humility and gratitude, um, engaging in activities that build a sense of confidence and, you know, work on changing thoughts, um, you know, challenging the thoughts versus challenging your feelings. These are things that they're Therapist can definitely help you with. Um, so working with a trauma-informed therapist um, who really can help you identify what happened to you and now how to cope. Um, and one we talk about a lot, Ashlyn, on the show is EMDR. So how is the EMDR helpful for this? Yeah, uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is a therapy treatment for trauma that can help make distressing memories less disturbing in the present. And this can allow adult children of emotionally immature parents to move forward with their lives in healthier ways. Um, mm -hmm. There's more to it than that, but that is uh, the, the simple way of saying it. Yeah, the bird's eye view. Um, yeah. So, um, right, and it releases all of these feelings of, of defectiveness, right? I have to fix others to have value. My needs don't matter, et cetera. So, um, Ashlyn, we're about out of time today. Anything else you want to share with our listeners before we end? Yeah, uh, just talking a little more about self-love. The journey to self-love isn't an easy one, but it is something that can be really healing when individuals don't get that love that they need from their primary caregivers. Um, and every child deserves to be loved. From an attachment standpoint, it's a core human need. So uh, I really encourage and court exploring self-love in therapy and what it looks like for, for you. Absolutely. 
Well, Ashlyn, thank you so much for being here for this two-part episode. Um, I hope this is really helpful for our listeners to hear. Again, if you want to work with a trauma-informed therapist on this, um, if this was your childhood, definitely reach out to us at anchorlightherapycollective.com slash get started. Um, and we will be back new next week with new material. Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.